Thank you. Thank you all for joining the Fastest Known Podcast, where for 30, 45 minutes, we don't mess around. We get right to the real deal. And indeed, I'm really excited to hear about this. I'm going to be talking to someone who started a project called Trees Not Teas. Are you getting this? And what this project does, I'm going to give you the quick scoop before we get into it right off the bat, is he encourages race directors to donate to plant one tree instead of giving every race participant a T-shirt, which you know is much better for the environment. We probably don't need the T-shirt anyway. That's the quick heads up. And so let's get into a fun conversation with Jim Mann. Welcome, Jim. Great to be here. Thank you for having me on. Now, Jim, I'm noticing a little accent here. And indeed, I uh, asked where you're from, and the, the, in the show notes, there will be a bio. And it turns out you are from the Isle of Mull. Well, that's, that, that's, where, that's where I live now, the Isle of Mull. Yeah, um, but I've always grown up in the north of England. So it's an English ah. accent, not a, not a proper Scottish accent. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Right. So that, thank you for the clarification. So it's a proper, proper English accent, and you don't have the thick uh, Irish, I mean, Irish, ooh, that was a bad mistake, oh, Scottish, oh, that, would, that was terrible, I would have gotten hate mail for that one, the uh, Scottish is a little thicker, but I had to go on the map, and turns out the Isle of Mull is northwest of Glasgow, kind of, uh, yeah, you're you're out there. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a little way from anywhere, and it's a ferry trip to get back to the mainland. So sort of 40-minute 40, 40 ferry trip just to get to the mainland before you even start heading towards Glasgow. And then you're still a little ways away, but good work, Jim. Good work. Uh, you got a little peace and quiet out there, I imagine. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice and lots of good wildlife. And uh, we have a tree planting project just, just a couple of miles from where I live, which is part of the reason that I'm, I'm up here. So, yeah, it's a fantastic place to live. That's terrific. Now, as we did in our introduction, you've started a project called Trees, Not Teas. Oh, I should note that you were recommended to us by Mike Jones, one of our volunteer regional editors for the United Kingdom. So thank you, Mike. That was very kind of you. And you know, there's only three ways to get on the podcast. One you can be recommended by someone or volunteer. So feel free to send us notes. If you can recommend someone or if you want to be on yourself, send us a note. We're happy to hear from you. The second way is if you know you just want UTMB and I'll contact you. Or the third way, of course, which always works, is to send 10,000 Bitcoins to my personal account. That will get you on the podcast for sure. But you use the first method. So thank you, Mike, for recommending we talk to uh, Trees Not Teas. So Jim, Fill us in here. I gave the, the quick heads up, but uh, what are you up to here, and why did you start doing this? Sure. So I, I do do a fair bit of running, and, and a lot of the long events, you'll get a free T-shirt. And, and we're all familiar with that, I think. You know, you cross the line, get your T-shirt. And sometimes they're quite a nice memento. Sometimes it's something you've really worked hard for and you care deeply about. And <clears throat> that's probably some people in every race. It doesn't matter whether it's a 5K, your first 5K race, or whether it's an, an ultra marathon, we, we all have t-shirts that we're, that we're proud of. And, and I have those in my, my collection um, that, I, that I still run in. 
But we also have lots of races where we are, are kind of often doing them as training runs, I think, or we don't care so deeply about that race. And they pile up. I've got a drawer full of them. I would bet that most of the people listening to this show also have a drawer full of T-shirts. And, and you won't wear them all. You, you don't get to the bottom of the drawer to dig them out. You wear probably five or six of them on a rotation. And the rest become waste. And there's a, a friend of mine called Dan Lawson, who, who's a GB ultra runner, but also um, has a charity called Rerun Clothing. And what they do is they take um, old running kit in, and they try and give it a second life in, in various ways. And his big bugbear is race T-shirts. They get race organizers giving them leftover race T-shirts, which have got things like dates on them. And they get people like me sending them boxes of stuff that I'm just never going to wear anymore. And, and they've got a big pile of these. I'd stopped taking race T-shirts probably about two years ago, and, or two years before starting Trees Not Tees because I didn't need them and I wanted race organizers to sort of understand that I didn't want that. I thought maybe by by them having them left over and by me declining the t-shirts, even though they were included, they might get the hint, but it wasn't really, wasn't really happening. So it wasn't a strong enough hint. No, and and not enough people. And, and, you know, a lot of this, when we first started, we, we put the website together and, 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 and we were planting trees, and the proposition was that the race organizer gave us the money that, that the T-shirt would have cost them. Literally, that's all we asked them to do. You donate whatever that T-shirt costs, and we'll spend it on planting a tree. And we will send a picture and a certificate of that tree, individual trees, to the race person, the, 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 um, the participant, um, so they know where their tree is. They get a geolocation so they can find it. And it's a simple trade-out. And a number of race organizers, when we first started, that said to us, ah, but everybody wants my race T-shirt. My, my race T-shirts are special. We put a lot of effort into the design, and, 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 and people really care about my race. I'm like, okay. But there's probably people <laughs> I, I, that I'm going to withhold comment on that right now. Let people analyze that for themselves. Well, well I, can, I can now tell you the stats. And, and there isn't a race that we've worked with where it's less than 20% of people will trade out their um, T-shirt for a, a tree being planted. And in some races, it's as high as 60% of the participants. And typically, they're trail runners. Um, t- trail runners are, um, there's, a, there's a lean towards probably the environment. They like spending time in nice places. And they appreciate that there's an element of waste, perhaps around T-shirts. But even in Big road races, um, it'll be minimum twenty percent, sometimes forty percent. Excellent. Well, let's uh, review the procedure here. So, what you're asking a race director to do is on their event website to put a checkbox and saying, "Check this box if you want the T-shirt," or "Check this box and no T-shirt." Instead, you, the, your organization, will plant a tree. And in addition to that, Jim, this is really interesting. You will certify that you have done this and you'll actually send them. So they actually still get something. Yes. Yes. And, and we've now done it. Um, the most recent update means that we can put uh, sponsors brands on there and the certificates are shareable on social media. So one of the objections that race organizers had was um, we put the sponsors, t-shirt, the sponsors names on the t-shirts and that branding is important to the sponsors and we need race sponsors. 
So now by putting the sponsors on the certificates and making them shareable online, we've overcome that. And some of the races that were resistant because they didn't want to upset sponsors are finding actually they get more awareness um, through the online sharing uh, for the sponsors. So Good point. Yeah. Good point. Because the race RDs, joking aside, have a point in that the free race T-shirt, or if, even if someone buys it, that's a really good deal because it's free advertising for them. People are walking around with this race T-shirt. And then, of course, the sponsors, if they've kicked in money to put on the race, they want a little bit of eyeballs for that. So you're including this in the certificate saying you planted a tree. So the sponsors, they still get their name. Exactly. Exactly. So um, it was one, you know, not everybody was, was, has sponsors. You know, smaller races don't, but bigger races do. And um, they, were, they were keen to, to maintain that. That, that profile, I guess, and that association with the race. Well, I like this. I like this a lot. Um, I'm guessing that uh, you're, are you just in the UK right now? So that's probably the case. We are about to start planting in North America. So we have identified a site and are in the process of purchasing a site to plant trees on. And we always buy, buy the land underneath the site because that means that we can guarantee that that forest is going to be there permanently. You so buy, you purchase the land? We, we actually purchase the land to go underneath the trees to make sure that those trees are going to stay there. So we have whole whole forests now that are being planted by by runners through this through this project. Wow. Jim, I did not guess that your project was that extensive. That's fantastic. I'm I'm at a loss for words. I this has got to go big. I'm I'm very happy to talk to you. When do you think this will become available to North American runners? So I think there are races now that are that, that are interacting with us and putting putting this onto their entry spaces. So this is going out with races now in North America, the first few races, um, with a commitment that we will get those trees planted as soon as we have land. Um, the land, we have identified some sites and we are trying to finalize a purchase now. Extremely impressive. I, uh, I appreciate you, Jim. I, I like this. I, as for myself, I have, of course, lots of race T-shirts. And my method of reusing them is to cut them into just the, uh, the logo part, or just like the front part, and then, and then send them off to have a quilt made. <laughs> and so I've seen a, that. A, Yeah, so then a uh, contract quilting company constructs, you know, put some batting in it and a backing behind it. And so I have this kind of me as a young man, a memento uh, quilt. <laughs> and, and they look good. There's some, there's some good stuff we've seen people doing with them. Um, but, but there's also hundreds of thousands of them that end up as stuffing in sofas or, or in landfill. And, and that's what right. we want to try and avoid because it's, it's, it's the absolute worst of fast fashion. Um, when something's being produced, often on the far side of the world, shipped to three or four different countries, the pollution's outsourced. So the dye that ends up in some of the rivers and, and, and the pollution where, where the fabric's being manufactured is pretty awful. And then um, we, we don't even wear them. You know, they, they were going back to Dan still in the packets um, from people who've been given them but, but simply aren't ever going to wear them. It's the worst kind of waste in, to me, I think. 
Well, I encourage everyone listening to this to go to the website. It'll be in the written show notes, but treesnottees.com is fairly easy to remember. And Jim, this is amazing. You note that cotton, you know, cotton is not grown in Michigan or where you are. It's grown in deserts like Egypt, of course. It's grown in Southern California, by the way, which is bizarre because you note that a person will drink the same amount of water in two and a half years that it takes to grow the cotton that goes into one t-shirt. So this is not a good use of resources. And of course, part of it, often they're cotton poly. So it means you can't really recycle a t-shirt. This is, this is pure landfill. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the poly ones are even worse. I mean, when those, those literally, if they get used, the only, I think the last I heard, the only use where they were actually being used was was literally stuffing sofas. So inside of of new sofas, they put stuffing material, and and that's where the poly the poly ones were going. Um, there there really is no second use for them. <clears throat> you can't recycle them or anything like that. How many races in the UK have your checkbox on their entry form now? I I couldn't give you an exact number, but it, it's hundreds. You know, we're oh. we're, plant, we're planting. Um, hundreds of thousands of trees this year. Um, really? Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's gone really big here. Oh my gosh! I'm so glad that Mike recommended you because I had not heard of this. My guess is most people listening to this podcast have not heard. So, is there something we should do? I mean, when I guess any race directors listening should contact you, and maybe people who are entering races to give a little elbow to the RD saying trees not teas please participate that that's what we need you know there's, there's there's two things one one tell rds about it hassle them make them put it into the sustainability policy you know it's the same as same as plastic cups we can't we can't be doing that stuff anymore that's got to go and race t-shirts are the same and and we're not asking you know one of the key things is we're not asking racers to get rid of their t-shirts we we appreciate that some people want the t-shirt we're asking them to not make the T-shirts for the people that don't want them, and where there's a where they're creating a waste stream. We're not we're not against race T-shirts. Um, I, as I say, I've got some you know, Dragon's Back race is, is one I I have the T-shirt from and I treasure. Um, it's it's a you know a real sort of achievement to complete the race, and and it's very um, it's nice to have that. And everybody has races like that. So we're not trying, we're not against race t-shirts in any way, shape or form. We're against people getting things that they're never going to use. And that costs, take a lot of energy to produce and that cannot possibly be recycled. Yes. A lot of energy, a lot of, a lot of water, a lot of pollution that we never see in, in the Western world and, um, and, and damage to people's lives at source where, where these, these are being manufactured. Well, Jim, you have a terrific amount of credibility here. You just mentioned you treasure your Dragon's Back T-shirt, and that's because you've had a very successful run. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing second place here on two occasions, and this is a uh, this is a this is a tough event. So, and look at this. You're you're a very very good ultra runner, and it appears that you specialize in the tough races, the spine race which people in the States aren't that familiar with, but people in the UK just revere this event. Um, oh, and look at this. Though you won Dragon's Back. That's probably the one that you uh, 
that's the t-shirt you're definitely going to want to save i've got a couple i've got a couple of them yeah i mean it's a that's a that's that's a uh, do you know the dragon's back race over there is it is it is it well known there um no i mean oh, okay. I've, I've, I've i'm sorry i've certainly heard of it and i am familiar with this tradition you have up there of, of tough tough races often in not sunny and warm conditions i might say but i have never done any of them personally yeah it's, uh, that, that's a 200 five day five day race going to six days this year 200 miles through the whole the whole length of wales so you start on the north coast of Wales, and this this time you'll finish on the south south coast of Wales. It's just spectacular scenery through Snowdon and Snowdonia and, and things like that. So, yeah, I, I like that that gnarly, um, unpathed, real tough, um, tough terrain. Now, is the Dragons Back a stage race then? Yes. Yeah, five day stage race. Yeah, or, or six day right. now. But yes, yes. So it's like forty or fifty forty miles per day, and then everyone gets to go to sleep. Yes, yes, in, intense, but yeah. Nice. And wow. And you also did, just let me pause for a second, because this is, the tradition there is different. Do you have some of the uh, Sky Extreme races up there as well? Glencoe, Skyline, things like that. Yep. And you've also done, um, which is a little amazing to me, the winter records for the the big three rounds of course the three rounds are the bob graham the patty buckley and the charlie ramsey and a round for those who people don't know is the uh, uk way of saying a giant link up so you go and do all the prescribed summits non-stop all uh, self-powered and that's called a round and these go back like you know, 80 years. So the, the, these weren't just invented five years ago. These have terrific history and you have the winter records on all of them. I did. I did. No, two, two of them have been, been broken now, but yeah, I did it. At one point I had all three, um, which was, which was nice. Um, I've just got clinging on to one of them now and waiting for someone to, to go out and take that off me. <laughs> well, if they do, are you going to go back and have another go? I don't think so. Um, I think I'm, I'm sort of 44 now. I'm, I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite old towards the, the end of my, my running. And, um, so I tend to try and pick things, pick things that I really want to do now. Um, because time, time for me running at a decent level is probably quite short. So going back to things I've done doesn't really appeal to me as much. Gotcha. I see. Interesting. Well, you did UTMB had a good run there. In France, but mainly specialized in uh, the tough ones up there, the north part of UK. So here's what uh, the race directors could do: instead of free T-shirts, they could give out free waterproof, breathable jackets. I mean, would that be more or wool? Would that be more effective? Probably in Scotland. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, we've got some fairly fairly damp climate. Yeah, fairly damp climate, and you have people who are by nature understated as well. Would that be a, a fair judgment as well? People have said that about us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so fun. It's so fun to talk to someone <laughs> from across the pond, you know, in the, maybe, maybe it's just the, the social media where people are going, we, we look at me. And it's like, really, why should I? You know, people are tweeting and 
you know, Instagram and pictures of themselves. And I'm like, the people I care about, the people who are doing the amazing things aren't doing that. I can't, people like you, I can't find out what you're doing because you're not talking about yourself all the time. So it's sort of an interesting cultural phenomenon. Yeah, I think there's a there's there's a lot of people here who, um, like like I do, we, we run for fun. You know, it's something that that it's there for enjoyment, <clears throat> and and competition can be part of that. You know, I enjoy the competition side, I enjoy chasing times, chasing records, but um, it's it's not the be all and end all of it. It's more of a um, something that we do to to entertain ourselves, and and I think it's more fun like that um, to be. To be honest, um, I'm not a big social media user and not a big social media sort of fan of the the people who who do the long posts with thanks to twenty different sponsors and all that sort of stuff. Doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. It's driving that consumerism again, I guess, which we're kind of um, kicking back against a bit. Driving consumerism. Mm-hmm. Interesting, right? Boy, Jim, well, this is a uh, interesting topic. We can go a lot of different directions right now, couldn't we? We could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> should we? Should we touch on that sponsorship? Do you want to? You know that 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 whole because that's effectively what they're doing. They're they're being paid. Athletes are being paid to promote something to try and increase the the usage of it to to make people buy more of it, um, whether people need it or not. So it's a it's an interesting problem for our sport and. Um, certainly we see it more and more on the trails now because that's the growth area where, where perhaps previously it was, it was more in the road and, um, particularly, I guess, whilst road was growing quickly, that's where the marketing money was being spent. And it seems to be coming into the trail, the trail running space now, which I think is a little bit, bit sad. A bit sad. Very interesting, Jim. So what, one of the key things, key components one of them, not the big thing, but one aspect that's driving the growth of the sport, particularly trail running now, which is coming on strong, is sponsorship. So we have professional trail runners. I mean, that's literally what they do for a living. And they have sponsors. And so in a way, they're saying, please buy more of this. And so what you are saying is one of the foundational aspects of of sport is kind of odd. It might not be good for the planet. It might not be what one's personal ethics would support. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. And and yet you you look at the athletes doing it, and you can completely understand why they want to do it, because to be given the opportunity to 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 just run and to just go to magical places and race and not have to work to support that, just to to um. To, to be good and to put a few posts on social media. Um, and I know there's a bit more to it than that, but um, I'm being flippant, but it's, it, it does, it, it leads to a different dynamic in the sport, I think, um, which, which will change it. Hmm. Interesting, Jim. Interesting. This brings me, I like this, this topic. Consumer, consumerism is very interesting. I was just noticing that almost, when was it, like 90 years ago, John Maynard Keynes, a famous economist during the Great Depression, he's the one person who coined the multiplier principle, which is 
if you feed some money into the economy and multiplies back out, puts people back at work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he made this amazing prediction during the Great Depression. He said, in 100 years' time, there'll be so much prosperity everywhere due to technology and productivity that we're only going to be working 15 hours a week. That's all we're going to be doing. And you look at his metrics now, later, and most of them have come true, and he was almost conservative. Productivity has just gone up insanely. Uh, wealth has gone up incredibly high. His estimates turned out to be conservative, except for one thing, the amount people work. That's gone up. So oddly, the more money we have, the more we work. This is exactly the opposite of what he predicted. So back in those days, if you had, if you were successful with your work, you worked less so you could do other things. Now, if we're successful with work, we work more so we could buy other things. And that turns out to be the crux of the matter. So stay with me just for a second. I'm coming back to our topic here. And so the key differentiator between his predictions and reality is consumerism. What really the wealth was driven by is buying more things. And so the more money we had, the more things we wanted to purchase. And that drove the economy in a certain way. It made people continue to work actually harder rather than less. And as you allude to, it has environmental consequences, which we are attempting to deal with now. Yeah, but there's also a question there, though, as to whether it's stuff that they're buying that they that they actually need, because in a lot of cases it's not. And, and it's driven by uh, marketing of, of products that, um, that, that we don't need and, and creating desire for products. And they're very good at manipulating our minds to, um, to get us to buy things that we don't really perhaps even want, but certainly don't need. Right. What well, also comes to my mind is Patagucci. They did a brilliant ad campaign saying, don't buy this jacket. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. wow, wow. So I wonder what the result was. Did that mean more people actually bought the jacket or less? I thought that was dramatic. You know, that's not a publicly held company, of course. Patagonia uh, remains in the Chouinard family. It's privately owned, but they're doing very well. So I'm not sure. I don't know what to make of that. But were they not creating a, a, a moral position? And, and, and that, you know, it, it's kind of attractive for people who have that um, an environmental leaning like, like, like I do um, to, to be told, look, don't buy what you don't need, but our stuff's the best. And when you do need stuff and you want it to last, then spend a bit more and come to us. And, and that's a very good, clever position to hold right now whilst we're in the, the, the environmental and, and ecological crisis that we're, that we're facing. It's, it's them forward thinking again and being ahead of the, the market, I think, and, and where, we're, where we're inevitably heading. Um, good, good products that you can repair and can last uh, far, far better for the planet than fast fashion. Right. And less plastic. I think all of us are aware of this plastic debacle. And yet, then we go out and buy plastic. 
Um, if you go to a, a big box store, as they're called here, I'm not sure what they're called there. I guess that 98% of the products in the big box store are made of plastic. And 98% of those are wrapped in plastic. And that plastic isn't going away in the next thousand years. And so I, I appreciate your point of view here, Jim. Yeah, I think it's it, the, the the plastic issue is going to be with us for a long while, and and not just with us, but with other generations. We 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 don't have good models for recycling plastic right now. You know, the the circular economy models of of making things that we can break down into component parts again, or or, or even you know re- recycle them, the component materials are going to be so important if we're going to achieve sustainable a sustainable position on the planet, but also satisfy some of that, that, that consumer desire for new things. And, and, you know, there's a bit of all of us um, that likes something new and, and likes to have something that, um, that, that makes you, you feel good. It's nice when you've got a new pair of trainers or whatever it is. There's no, there's no escaping that. We're all susceptible to it. So how do we keep that and, and do that in a way that's, that sustainable is going to be one of the really big challenges that we're going to have to try and overcome as a as a species, um, and and pretty quickly now. And there isn't there isn't a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Thank you, I appreciate that. I also want to note that Patagonia. I do want to say some very dramatic things is that they've placed full page ads in the New York Times. They've taken very very strong political stances. They dedicate one percent for the planet. They're they pushed that one. They helped create the Time to Vote initiative, which gave, I'm talking stateside now, of course, but gave Americans um, a time off, asking all employers to give uh, their employees a day off to go vote. So I want to say that Patagonia does very, very good work, just to be clear. Yeah, no, no, I, I really like Patagonia. And um, they've also invested a huge amount of money buying, buying and protecting forests. Um, but personally, outside of the, the company, I think, but the founders have spent a, a huge amount of money protecting large areas of, of, of um, old growth forests that, 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 you know, we should be protecting. Logging old growth forests is just, it's madness. It's absolute madness nowadays, but, but we're still doing it. And You don't need it. We don't need that at all. <laughs> it, it's just not smart. Um, the... All the ecological, I, I trained as an ecologist, I did a degree in ecology way, way back in my past. And all the, all, all the evidence suggests that an old growth forest and all of the complex interactions in that ecosystem are so much more important and so hard to put back. We don't know how to put them back. Um, we can plant a new forest and hopefully in a thousand years time, it'll have got to a point where those interactions are back there. But just because you see trees on a piece of ground again doesn't mean that all of the ecological um, interactions have sort of repaired and, and are rebuilt in that piece of forest. So we need to protect that old that old growth stuff as well. Right. Thanks, Jim. The consumerism question is fascinating. About ten years ago, I you know we have Christmas in the Western world. We and I told my family, all my family, all my relatives, a ban on presents. Because I realized that objects are hard on my life. They make my life worse. 
It's just this physical object that I got to schlep around. I got to take care of it. I got to figure out what to do with it when I don't want it anymore. It was a very interesting revelation to myself of thinking the more physical objects I have in my life, the less happy I am. And so I had a ban on objects. And of course, outside of that category is things like a bottle of a reposito uh, of aged tequila. I, I don't consider that. I consider that a consumable. And then I recycle the glass bottle. You, you see what I mean? So there's consumables, there's uh, travel vouchers, which has some impact, but there's all sorts of things. Like what if someone gave me a gift of uh, massage gift certificates, where I'd get a massage from someone? Wow, I'll take that to most physical objects. But at the same time, Jim, it's a sliding scale. We have to make careful choices, and there's always choices. There's very little black and white, because sometimes I exempt from my ban on objects running shoes and bicycles. So, yeah. you know, if someone were to look in my garage, they'd go, Buzz, caught you on that one, didn't I? And they would be correct. You know, it's like a you know, you've heard the formula of how many bicycles a person needs. It's N plus one, mm -hmm. which means now plus one more. And I, I'm not quite there, but I, I do have four bicycles, which is, you know, so I, I just want to own up and disclaim my own consumerism. Yeah, I think everybody's got that, though. There's something, there's something, skeletons in all of our, our closets somewhere and, um, yeah, or running, running shoes. shoes. Running shoes. Is <laughs> yeah, running shoes is probably the one for me. Um, so I, I've got quite a lot of pairs of running shoes. But I do I do always wear them until they absolutely collapse. I, I make sure I get my money's worth out of them. But I probably have too many pairs on the go at the same time. So I'll, right. I've got lots of pairs. Um, but, but they will all get used to destruction. Guarantee you that. There won't be any miles left in them. <laughs> right. And Strava, it's you've hit 500 miles, little Strava window pops up. You should retire those shoes and said, no, no, they're fine. <laughs> yeah, there's just a few scratches on them. That's it. Keep them going. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I looked it up and you I'm I'm just so impressed with this. You have hundreds of races in the UK participating. You're planting, as you just said, hundreds of thousands of trees now. You're coming to the United States. I so much look forward to this. There are approximately 30,000 races in the United States alone. Can you believe that? 30,000 races. There's 9 million participants in races just in the States. Okay. That's a lot of trees or a lot of T-shirts going in the landfill. One of the two. So hopefully your organization can help move the percentage over in one direction and worldwide i don't know the numbers but there's probably 600 million people running worldwide so if you know just five percent of those people right five percent of those people in the races that's 30 million people yep yep and and our, and our target is over the next five five years to plant 50 million trees so we are aiming to get to really big numbers with this. Jim, is, that's, that took my breath away. In the next few years, plant 50 million trees. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 
I'm, and it won't, I'm, it won't I'm loving all, this. Won't all necessarily come from from trees, not teas. But but that's our our aim as an organisation is to get fifty million trees in the ground, um, because that's the sort of scale we need to be operating at to to, to make an impact on on climate change and um, and and leave leave the world better than than it is today. Wow, or not as bad. Well, well, I'll take not as bad as the direction it's going in. I mean, better is a little bit of a stretch. So uh, with people like you working and everyone listening to this, working in this direction, we could uh, um, kind of slow down the the wrong direction and ease up here a little bit. Yeah, and, and, and if we do that, then hopefully we'll be able to reverse it over time. Uh, you know, it's a case of we, we've got to got to start somewhere. We've got to start having an impact. Um, but um, it, it'll take time and it'll and hopefully that'll grow but one of the things that we, we've seen happen that, that's really nice is the fact that this is on on the entry form prompts everybody so everybody entering the race is becomes aware of us and it becomes aware of what we're doing and it's a talking point which it, it would appear that this is often a first step for race organizers so so race directors often will look at trees not teas and then before you know it, they're, they're looking at their plastic cups, they're putting sustainability um, policies in place, and they realize that it's important to people. So it's one of those things where, where as runners take this to race, organ- race directors, and, and that's how it's all happened. We, we haven't done any, any outbound marketing to, to race directors or anything like that. It's all been word of mouth and mainly driven by runners. So that's where you know, hopefully your audience can really help us and, and tell race directors that this is available to them now in the US. And um, what happens is as the race directors start to, to get involved, they actually learn that their participants really care about the environment and that there is demand for them to do more. And they start tackling other things within their within their races and realize that people will, will support them on that and even pay more sometimes for things um, and, and help them find those solutions that they want to find or, or will come on board when they say we're getting rid of cups completely. You have to bring your own cup to an aid station, which it takes seconds to to fill a cup at an aid station if you've got a cup with you or a bottle with you or what have you. Some of those things are just you know then then they're not really acceptable anymore. I don't think, um, and we need to make that change towards not handing out bottles of water that someone takes two sips from and and throws on a road in 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 a marathon or or what have you. Right there. Cup-free races, zero-waste races. I like that, Jim. So by using this checkbox, the RD kind of, a few things happen. Even if someone doesn't check the box, they're seeing it. There's an awareness here, and it's, there's a carryover. We're building this wave of support for a little more environmental sensitivity, which particularly as trail racers, we care about, right? Yeah. Because we're out there, I and mean, we're in the natural environment. This is very, very meaningful to us. A quick note on the cup-free race. Like you said, this is a no-brainer. Yeah. They, they, people might not be aware, but there are collapsible cups, reusable, that you can carry. They, they wad up into this tiny little pocket that you could, you could stash anywhere. And you come up to an aid station, you just whip it out, drink out of that, and just wad it back up into your shorts. It's, it's that simple. 
Or, of course, if you're doing the spine race or something like that, you're probably wearing a running vest, et cetera, and you have your bottles or your reservoir and just fill that up. You don't need a disposable paper cup. No, no, it's crazy. Um, and, and you're right, those, those, you're talking about the silicon cups, the little. Yes. Yeah, they're fantastic. I've, I've got one of those and they are, they are brilliant because, like you say, you don't, you don't even have to think about it. You, you tip out what's left and you crush it. You just, you just squeeze it and it, it <laughs> it's, go, gone. Goes, it's gone. It goes in a pocket. It goes, you know, <laughs> as you say, that into your shorts or whatever. It can go anywhere and just out the way. It just collapses down and, and, and it doesn't, you know, it's not bulky or anything like that or 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 you know i remember using the like plastic cups and and they they if you stuff them in a pocket they start rubbing somewhere or giving you grief and the silicon ones are just superb they're such an easy solution yeah good excellent well jim i'm just i'm excited this is really good i had never heard about this you're doing fantastic work, and you just said that you've never actually reached out, had a campaign to race directors. Instead, you talked to runners, and they suggested to the race directors. So I'm going to pass along that energy right now to everybody listening. Next time you do a race, suggest Trees Not Tees. The website will be in the written show notes, but that's kind of easy to remember. So just do it. Just suggest that they participate in this. Because soon this will be available uh, in North America. Yeah, yeah, we've got races. We're signing up races now in North America, so um, they can get in touch now, and, and we'll we'll get them organised and hopefully get it onto entry forms for them ahead of ahead of having somewhere to actually plant the trees. But you'll know okay. they're planted because we will send you that certificate when it's when it's in the ground. Right, right. So you will have a memento. You will. Yes. Yeah. And, and a photograph of your, your little baby tree. Oh, you get a, wow. You get a photo of your, so you, you still get this really good memento, but instead of ending up in a landfill, you could say, hey, I did something cool. I planted a tree. There's a, a, a little tree exists. It, actually, for the bigger races, there's forests might exist. Yeah. Yeah. Whole, whole big areas of, of trees that, that just simply wouldn't have been there before. Yeah. Nice work, Jim. I appreciate you a great deal. Thanks for having me on.